Shailendra, thank you for uh, joining the podcast. Welcome. Mm, good to be here. So, without further ado, shall we start? Yes, please. So, I would like to understand what is the difference between privacy and security. Hmm. So, see, privacy is something that has got to do with the identity of the individual and uh, the activities and behaviors that they do in their own personal life it has got to do with whether people know what you do or not how widely is it is it known so for example the most common example of uh, privacy would be your bathroom thoughts those are things that you do not share with anyone right and that is something that is commonly used as an example of privacy and uh, when it is spoken in the context of an organization in terms of its security and privacy practices the privacy practices of an organization protects that aspect so it protects the individual and their private behaviors whereas when it comes to security in the context of an organization it would be about the information related to an individual or their users or their own uh, organization it is more so focused on data so to clarify further it is not necessary always that security practices would automatically result in better privacy and there are ample cases of that right so it, it, this is something that is a is a good question in the sense that it clarifies that it it does not automatically mean that because a company is following secure practices uh, privacy of its uh, own people as well as its own its its clients and customers is automatically taken care of there has to be a separate focus when it comes to uh, honoring privacy of the the people who are involved with the organization right so that is what i would call as the primary difference between privacy and security what is the impact of security as a business function um so there are quite many of them <clears throat> the most uh, important that comes to my mind is that security has got to do with uh, the trust that you earn from your clients and customers um, and again this is in a way related to the security practices and the privacy principles that you follow because these do have an impact in our digital world and it, and our world is becoming increasingly digital which means that what was common for us to uh, do in the offline world has increasingly shifted to the digital world even the, the most ordinary uh, things that we do whether in our personal life or in our professional life now has got a computer involved somewhere right and when it when this happens the sheer amount of data that is being generated whether it is meant to be generated as part of your business function or not maybe it is being generated simply because of the fact that Uh, the migration from an offline world to an online world has happened but in either case the protection of this data whether from a security point of view or from a privacy point of view has become critical because of the fact that we have entered definitively entered the information age and uh, what used to be a matter of trust in 
pre-information era times was the business principles that you follow, how your business dealings are. Increasingly now that has changed over where the focus of client and customers is that are you doing things in a manner that I can be confident that will not come back to harm you. And uh, the most common example in this case being the increasing incident of supply chain attacks where what ends up happening is that as a business function, let's say you are a cloud-based SaaS provider and you do not follow security practices well enough, but you have large enterprise clients and uh, unfortunately, maybe because of there was no focus, maybe because enough attention was not given to it, but they did not conduct their security due diligence activities on you. And then you happen to be a victim of a cybersecurity attack which led to their data being lost uh, to the public domain. What ends up happening is you as the supplier or vendor of that application would probably not be as impacted as your client organization. And effectively, they will end up losing trust on you. And when that happens and when that lands up, that news lands up in the public domain, now other similar clients who would, who you would target to sell to, they will not trust you either. Right. So this is, I specifically spoke in the context of a B2B setup. So you can see that in the B2B space, the impact on trust is way high, but it does not mean that in the B2C space, you can afford to not uphold the trust of your customers. Eventually they will leave. Right. So that is, in my opinion, the most important impact of security as a business function, because your business cannot continue unless and until you, you have the trust of your clients and customers. You want new clients. You want the existing clients to, uh, to buy more from you. And that works on the same age-old principle of trust. So this is by far the most important thing. The second thing would be that, see, data by itself in today's world, again, the information era thing that I'm talking about, itself holds value. And there are quite a few companies that are in fact predominantly based on the concept of data, meaning they are valuable simply because they hold data. And it is frequently the case that newer companies that are coming up, they uh, have got such high valuation simply because of the the amount of data that they have collected, which could be in the form of user base, which could be in the form of data that they have obtained through various sources and they intend to do something about with that data, something that no one has thought about it earlier. But then the foundation of their whole business is the data that they hold. Now imagine this data uh, leaking out. Where does that company stand? So there will be a significant reduction in value for the for the organization. Again, if the data is not protected well, the impact of security or rather the, the lax of security will be a direct impact on the business function itself. Right? So that is the second thing. Third would be competition among businesses is a very common thing and uh, which is why there are things such as intellectual property and patents in place um, and copyrights in place. After all, what are these aspects made of uh, intellectual property, patents and copyrights, information? And when you combine it with newer age uh, intellectual properties, they are more frequently made up, made up of two main aspects. Either your algorithm, something that is so unique that no one else can replicate you, or 
the volume of information that you have collected. Uh, again, it is not the information that you have collected by itself that may hold value, but you may have transformed it in some manner and created something new out of it, which is new information and it becomes your intellectual property. And if your competition happens to get hold of that information or it leaks out in the public domain, uh, maybe through a cyber attack incident, then you will end up losing value. So again, if you have poor security and you happen to lose information that is proprietary to your organization, you lose the competitive edge, uh, effectively meaning that your your business is going to see the impact. And then the final thing that I always say is that given all of these things that I have spoken about, trust of your clients and customers, the fact that data holds value, then you have to protect your intellectual property or your copyrights and patents, which is basically made of information. Combine all of these together and uh, it results into this thing that if you have high security, then as primary stakeholder in your organization, maybe you are among the founders, maybe you are among the investors, you will have that peace of mind that I will not wake up tomorrow to find out in the news that there has been a major breach which has resulted in all of those problems that I just stated, right? So net result, when it comes to impact of security as a business function, you, security is equal to trust. Uh, Security of data is important because data holds value. Security of information could directly have an impact on, on protection of your intellectual property. And then finally, combining all of them together, your peace of mind because of the fact that these things are protected. What uh, would be the difference between general security and technical security? Okay, so see, this is something that is a term that I personally use. I have not seen this being used as widely as probably it should. And the reason for that is because uh, I have seen that there is a clear and clear distinction between what are the things that we take up as part of security in an organizational context, which uh, have an improvement effect, right? And they can generally be grouped into these two aspects, which is general security and technical security. And to explain to you at a high level, it would be that where exactly are we focusing while implementing these two different Types of security, that would be one differentiating factor. Another one is what exactly is in scope as part of your activities related to general security and technical security. So to to give you at a high level what general security would focus on, what would be its scope is when you talk about security processes or aspects such as um, educating your people about cybersecurity and, and preventing any kind of an incident uh, involving them or the activities that you take up which are part of your audit and compliance related aspects. So maybe, you know, even your regulatory compliance or your uh, InfoSec standards compliances, those also would fall in, in the, uh, you know, in the, in the group of general security. Having said that, technical security is not something different. I would rather say that your general security will have a stream which focuses on the technical aspects of security. And why this distinction is because not only the scope and focus differ, but also how you implement them, who are the people who whose help you will require to implement them, they they differ widely. Their mindsets differ widely. 
which means that the way you take up technical security is is domain based whereas general security is something that is operations based and when it comes to technical security your focus and your scope is for example if you are a cloud based as organization then your application uh, whether or not you have an application of your own you may be having some kind of an it infrastructure so uh, this it infrastructure could be something that is in your office environment or in the in the cloud or your virtual private cloud for example your vpc along with that all of the computing devices your entire it environment no one today works without a computer so all of those aspects will also require to have high level of security now all of these activities that you undertake to improve your technical security uh, they require special skill sets and these are available with specific people so as a function of your organization i would say that technical security focuses on your tech team your engineering your devops your quality your qa function these are teams that uh, improve your or or rather implement your technical security uh, improvement activities general security would focus on all of the other functions which means your hr for let's say infosec awareness programs or your finance for managing risks uh, related to your uh, revenue streams the your administration your physical security uh, the office environment which is covered by administrative activities those who, the improvement related to those would fall under the scope of general security. what uh, would you classify are the various categories of threats so when it comes to threats instead of using categories i would rather say that before we even get to the categories part um we we definitely need to talk about uh, risks right so see risk is something that is any kind of a threat to an organization and if it materializes then that threat becomes real that is when the impact is is experienced right and predominantly almost all infosec standards whether you talk of iso 27001 or pci dss or uh, soc they are all based on the concept of risk management and why do we need to talk about risks before we talk about threats is because when it comes to risks there are two principal ways in which we can estimate or assess or evaluate the applicable risks to anything and when i say anything it could be a function it could be an information processing system it could be an information asset um all of these things they have got some amount of risk because of the way they are that they are used because of the uh, specific context in which they are used right now historically the evaluation of risk was based on assets meaning it used to be called asset based risk evaluation which now has gotten transformed to something called as a context based risk evaluation now what is the basic difference between two when you talk of an asset based risk evaluation what you do is that you take up an asset and when i refer to the word asset it could mean anything uh, a person in the system is an asset a computer in the system is an asset uh, your vpc server is an asset anything that has got to do with your it environment whether it is process driven or whether it is technology driven is an asset this is specifically in the context of organizations that are in the field of information so for example what an asset would mean in a manufacturing environment could be different right but i am limiting myself to this 
way of looking at an asset. Now, asset-based risk evaluation would focus on the asset by itself and identify what are the risks that could be applicable to it. And then you go ahead and manage those risks. You either, uh, you know, so, so there, is, there is this thing called as either you treat a risk, you tolerate a risk, you transfer the risk or you terminate the risk, meaning either you go ahead and, and treat it and, and reduce the risk or you tolerate it, meaning you say that, okay, I'm okay accepting this risk because this is not serious enough or you transfer the risk. So, for example, you obtain cybersecurity insurance so that if a cybersecurity event does happen and you happen to lose money or revenues because of that, then the insurance will take care of it or you you go ahead and terminate the risk, meaning you do something so that altogether that risk does not apply to you. Maybe you change your business process so that that risk does not apply to you anymore, right? So these are the four ways in which you treat this risk. Now, going back to the asset-based risk evaluation, you would just look at the applicable risk of that asset as it applies to it. Now, to make a comparison, the context-based risk assessment would work in this way, that you do not only think of an asset, you also think as to in what way that particular asset is going to be used. So to give you an example, a computer is a computer, right? But then a computer that is used by someone, let's say from your customer support team, a laptop, for example, and a computer used by your CEO, these two are exactly the same asset. If you simply applied the concept of risk evaluation based on the asset, you would treat both of those computers in an identical manner. But that would be a mistake because clearly the amount of data that is valuable to your organization the possibility of a breach having a much more serious impact if that particular breach happens to your CEO's computer uh, clearly will be very different between the two cases, which means that this is where the context-based risk evaluation comes into the picture, that you do not think of the asset in isolation. You think of the context in which it is used and then treat it accordingly. Now, why have I given such a long-winded explanation to you is because this takes us to your question, which is, what are the various categories of threats? So when you talk of things in this manner of context-based risk evaluation, you automatically end up thinking for, not from categories of threats point of view, but rather, what are your surface areas or where a threat could materialize, right? And that is where these various groupings come in. So it entirely depends on what you do as a business, what exactly are the places where a breach could succeed? And then you identify that, okay, these are the threats that apply to me. Now, having said that, I would not want to escape your question. To narrow it down, I would classify the various categories of threats into the most common ones that you know anyone can think of, which is, for example, cyber attacks, an external unknown set of people, they breach your systems and they take the data away. And there are like countless examples of those. Then the next category of threats would be your internal uh, people. Ironically, as it may sound, a whole lot of times social engineering attacks succeed because people have not been educated or trained on how to recognize patterns of attacks and then take action in such a manner that that attack does not succeed. Uh, business email compromise, BEC as it is called, is a very common thing that still uh, tends to 
cause a lot of loss to organization. So those are the next category of threats. The third category of threats I would say is, are things related to your business continuity. Now, as strange as it may sound, business continuity is in fact a very important aspect of information security because the predominant principle that security functions follow is any kind of a threat that can result in discontinuation of your business or significant harm to your business is something that must be in scope for your security function. And business continuity risks are actually the topmost worry. Now, there are countless ways in which your business continuity could be compromised. But then to club them, I would say that there are three main groups. One are clearly the natural disasters, earthquakes, fire, your even the fire that could happen just in your office building or uh, floods, hurricanes, these kind of things which are beyond our control, uh, they happen to bring down business uh, and it happens with alarming frequency. The current COVID-19 situation is the best example of it for the last one and a half years. Um, so much of shutdown has happened. Massive amount of impact and business continuity, the principles followed for business continuity to adapt to this pandemic uh, situation changed overnight. And the companies that did well are the ones who had planned for it in one way or another, right? So these are the group of natural disasters. The second thing are artificial ones. And artificial ones are where, let's say, your server goes down, your primary hosting environment goes down and you have not uh, thought of it as to what exactly you will do in a scenario like that. Or your your data is lost maybe because of an internal mistake or maybe because there has been a breach or maybe a ransomware attack succeeded and you do not have a backup those are the kind of uh, artificial disasters again where you need business continuity plans to be in place so that you can quickly recover from them then the third one and i do know that the third group of uh, of business continuity related threats fall in the previous category which is artificial ones but then i prefer to put them into a separate category because increasingly this is i have seen has become a problem and those are geopolitical events uh, see let's take the example of of, of Mar- myanmar right now the whole country is headed towards a civil war and let's say for whatever reason you are based in that region or you are doing business with an organization that is in that region you are affected by it even if you you know even if you are not your organization is not based in that region right and so is the case world over that something suddenly changes in the geopolitical context and and all of a sudden what was common business common thing uh, you cannot do it anymore right and you have to have planned for it and and identified what are your alternatives that when that kind of a situation arises what is it that you will do? So this third group of business continuity related threats are what I classify as, as important. Moving on to the next uh, category of threat, I would say are regulatory risks. Uh, this happens when your the space in which you are working, clearly there will be some kind of regulations applicable to you. And increasingly, all of the regulatory bodies, they are becoming more sensitive towards the fact that cybersecurity is something that uh, you need to um, take care of. And because the, the the regulations are changing so rapidly, 
um, organizations need to be prepared for sudden changes in regulations applicable to them, to which they may not have prepared for. So this is the next category of risk, right? And then comes the supply chain risks. Now, this is something new and relatively uncommon, but is increasingly becoming a big problem in my opinion, because a lot of organizations now are not self-contained in their processes, in their business processes, in the in the aspects that they need to be functional to continue their business, which means that they are increasingly dependent on external entities, external organizations that provide various types of products and services to them and predominantly software-based services and specifically cloud-based SaaS services. A lot of organizations now depend on these. That is one group of what we, we, we would call as, you know, third parties. Another group is where you rely on external third parties to uh, for your infrastructure. So the most common being your AWS. A lot of cloud-based organizations that depend on um, AWS or Azure or GCP for their hosting needs. Now, look at the long chain that is being created. There is an enterprise who is your client. You are a cloud-based SaaS provider and you are using AWS as your hosting provider. Now, if something goes wrong with your hosting provider, not only you, but even your clients get affected. And because it was your hosting provider, you yourself could not have uh, done much about it beyond maybe conducting a security risk assessment of the hosting provider. The issue is that these threats, they go unnoticed is because we are so focused as an organization to only limit our security focus to our own organization that we forget that in this increasingly connected world, you yourself may not have done anything wrong or done everything that you could do to have a high level of security. And yet one of your supply chain partners is the one that got breached because of so many reasons. It could be any one of them and you face the impact of it. Not only you, but if you are dependent on, on third parties for something and your clients are connected to you, that is, you know, you are the provider to your clients, uh, an attack that succeeds at your supplier will affect them. They will lose trust on you, right? So supply chain attacks is becoming a big problem. The solar winds thing that happened recently is a very good example of that. Uh, this is something that is a new class of threats. And I believe that this will become the predominant reason uh, why cybersecurity events will increase, meaning we will not have done anything wrong ourselves. It is one of our partners. Who will, got, who will get breached and we will face the impact of it, right? So overall, these are the various categories of threats. Which of these threats are more prevalent nowadays? The threats, first of all, threats that, you know, let, let me list down the threats themselves. So the most common threats are cyber attacks could happen on you. Then there are internal threats related to your people and your processes. Then there are business continuity related threats, which uh have subgroups of natural disasters artificial man made uh incidents and events and then geopolitical events then there are regulatory risks and then finally there are supply chain risks supply chain attackers right among these historically my opinion is that internal threats 
and business continuity related threats were the most common and i'm talking like a few until a few years back at least because um either the organization would not focus on on ensuring that their people are educated enough about information security they do not have adequate focus or something happens which is beyond their control which results into a business continuity scenario now that used to be the case until a few years back in recent times the amount of cyber attack activity has increased multiple fold and it keeps on increasing there is just no uh, reduction in it most common being the ransomware increase in ransomware that happened since uh, the wannacry event in 2018 which was like the first time where you know the world experienced ransomware at scale um but that is obviously not the only way in which cyber attacks happen there are like countless ways in which attacks can succeed uh in addition to these i am frequently seeing that uh regulations are changing more rapidly now world over until ugdpr came up in 2018 most people were not even aware that there are regulations related to information security and cyber security and now all of a sudden in just 2 years uh, i'm talking from the time frame of 2018 till 2020 and uh, why i'm not talking 2021 right now is because since the last one year we have been all dealing with covid-19 so we you know we are already affected by natural disaster right i mean that is what is the class of of threats it falls into um so regulations have changed world over a lot following eu gdpr because going live and this is not something that is applicable to data privacy laws alone or data protection laws alone i am seeing a similar kind of a rapid change and movement happening related to cyber security in the financial space and that is something that is related to the cyber attacks that are increasing i mean we keep on hearing every now and then now and then that someone happened to share their otp and uh, the money was withdrawn from their bank account and the police is not able to keep up with the volume of attacks they also they are rapidly trying to improve their own knowledge and understanding of how to handle that i'm not saying that they are effective sorry i'm not saying that they are ineffective i'm saying that they are yet to catch up and which is which will always be the case now the only way that to mitigate this kind of uh, threats would be to for the regulations to change so that regulations compel the organizations to have high levels of security because of which regulatory uh, risks in terms of sudden changes in in expectations from the regulatory bodies that end up becoming a threat for you if you are used to old ways of working and you have to suddenly modify the way you do things uh it becomes a major threat and then the final one which is supply chain attack so i was saying that uh, supply chain attack are in my opinion going to be the most biggest threat uh in the future of of our world the reason being that we are not going to go backwards we are not going to become suddenly more self contained as an as organizations i mean we are going to increasingly rely on on external suppliers and vendors for various systems and and devices that we will use on which our business will be based and if something goes wrong with the supply chain partners then we will become victims of them uh what this results in is that if i would have to extend this question to not only the prevalence but also what exactly organizations should do about it uh, about these emerging threats 
see when it comes to cyber attack clearly getting certified uh, in a very good information security standard is important is extremely important you may not necessarily get certified but at least you need to implement those principles when it comes to handling regulatory risk it is better to be a step ahead of what regulations may expect from you in the near future um, rather than trying to catch up and following a minimum compliance approach what i strongly recommend is that it is better to do it better because uh, this relates to the concept that if you do it better than your competition you will have the benefit of gaining more trust of your clients and customers and more likely to result into improved business and when it comes to supply chain attack i strongly recommend that enterprises bigger ones specifically they have to massively step up their vendor evaluation and become more stringent um not be lenient in terms of what exactly they accept in terms of non compliances or poor security practices and increase the frequency of how uh how often these uh, security assessments are done in their supply chain among their supply chain partners right so these are the threats that i believe are the most prevalent these days how to manage an incident how to respond to it see before you can answer this question it is important to first of all have a better understanding of what is an incident and why i am taking a step back here is because when it comes to security functions the biggest flaw that i have seen um is the fact that security as an activity is still executed and taken care of as a silo in the organization the rest of the organization is not involved in the security function now why is this important it's because security is not a specialized domain um sorry rather security is a specialized domain but security function is not something that can be run as a standalone unit it is more like hr more like finance more like legal that is ap- applicable across the organization and across multiple offices if if you are based in multiple regions or geographies or countries right now why is this important uh, that security function should not be looked at it in this manner it's because of this before you can respond you need to be able to identify that an incident is happening before you respond you need to be able to gather the right kind of people and train them how to identify whether an incident is happening because the incidents do not happen in the view of the security function the security function job is to define the processes and ensure that the uh, and processes for information security and ensure that pro- those processes are being effective but the effectiveness of these processes can only be checked occasionally maybe through internal audits maybe through compliance audits maybe through uh, occasional risk evaluation but they are occasional they are not there present at the point of incident uh, when it is happening who rather is present at the point of incident it is the people who either let's say belong to the tech team your engineering or predominantly your devops which is something that is monitoring your your logs and figuring out that okay there is there is your incident uh, security incident and event management system is sending some alerts it is not going to the security function first it is going to them first or 
it could be your hr function for example they are the ones who are uh, responsible for conducting these uh, infosec awareness programs and they are the ones responsible for teaching their people that how exactly do you identify a phishing mail how do you not become a victim of social engineering so before you get to the response part it is extremely important that do two things are done in an organization a higher level of incident identification training or rather just incident related training is provided to the right set of people so that they know how to identify where that an incident is happening the second step is for the same people to know how to respond and what to do next which means you have to provide response training to these people just providing response training to your security team is not enough because they will be probably the second line of people second line second set of people who actually respond to your incident the first set of people in the first few hours of a critical incident will be the people from the specific function and those are the people who need to be provided training as to how exactly to respond in those first few hours um net result of all of this is that you need to create in fact a security focused culture where people are trained regularly and diligently and sufficiently to identify incidents and they are sensitized to the idea that why security is important once you have taken care of these two is where truly in in the conventional sense incident response comes into picture and that is the role of the incident response team or the infosec team where they will define a playbook for handling incident and this playbook will spell it out for whoever is responding to an incident that what do you do to when you are responding to an incident how do you go about making decisions how do you um, communicate to the right set of people how do you invoke uh, the the security incident management team to take action uh these are aspects that will be defined in that playbook but remember that your playbook is something if people have not been uh, informed about or they are they have not been uh, taken through it they will not know when the incident happened right so look at it from this point of view that incident response is not about responding to an incident incident response is about preparing in advance for responding to an incident. right so this is how you manage an incident why is a security team considered expensive hmm good question so <laughs> i would rather relate it to something else right um there was a time when there was it was not so prevalent that you know there are like countless um cloud based saas organizations things were predominantly in on premise uh the prevalence of security uh, sorry not security but software in general in our professional world was not very common and in those times the software developers and the devops teams they were not so much in demand but to make comparison even in those times software developers were more in demand the reason being all of the software that were being created they were almost always client based something that you install on on your computer and use it on your computer right and maybe there is an interconnected network that has been set up in your in your office uh, environment and these softwares they talk to each other right and then the change over massive change over from 
on-prem to cloud-based happen. And suddenly, you needed high volume of people to be trained and, and be experts in managing your, your VPC infrastructure, what we call as DevOps. I'm thinking like maybe about eight to 10 years back, the, the world of DevOps itself was something new at that time. And to the extent that I've heard various uh, versions of it. Now DevOps is something that has become the de facto word for any team or set of people who are responsible for managing your VPC environment, the deployment, the releases and all. But I have heard variations of it, which is like TechSecOps, then your DevSecOps, uh, your TechOps, the various variations I've heard, right? Um, DevOps is by far the de facto standard now. Now, why do I bring up this thing? Is because um, when this changeover happened, suddenly the demand for DevOps people increased so much that there was not enough people in the world who had this skill set. And all of a sudden, the demand went up, supply remained the same, the cost uh, of such kind of people uh, went through the roof. It is the same underlying principle of demand and supply, which now is applicable to uh, security. The world of cybersecurity has, has exploded for the worse. Uh, things have become very bad, very fast. And there are not enough people who are going around who have these skill sets. Um, it takes a lot of time to become good at security. There are so many various tracks within the field of security uh, that for, you know, um, under, under, under normal and practical scenarios, it is actually rare to find someone who has got knowledge of the various tracks of security. And when I say tracks, it means compliance is one track where, you know, you're focused on your, your knowledge is more on the information security standards, or you are, let's say a technical security expert, you can do pen testing or you can do vulnerability assessments, or you are a systems manager, which means that you know how various uh, uh, tech security technologies they work. There are so many of uh, so many different kind of technologies. Uh, even within the field of security technology, the system experts do not have cross cross function <clears throat> knowledge. Where let's say you know someone is an expert in in understanding how uh, firewalls work or your uh, VIDS and IPS systems work, but whereas there are others who know how GRC systems work, whereas there are others who know how code scanners work. So there are various tracks. The, the amount of time that people have to spend learning these and becoming good at them is quite long. And the sudden increase in need has uh, skewed the supply demand scenario to so bad conditions that uh, naturally the basic concept of economics ha is the one that is causing the change in, the, in, in how much it costs to have a good security team. That is the... A very simple thing, you know, why security teams have become so expensive. What is the managed security services? Okay, so the number of organizations that um, that do business keeps on increasing. And I, I'm talking like, you know, number of startups being registered and a vast majority of the startups uh, get registered in the field of uh, uh, something got to do with information technology, which means that they could be creating a cloud-based SaaS product or they could be creating a system that is in some way 
based on the foundation of information technology now while there is a rapid increase in the number of companies that uh, start up in this in this field simultaneously the need for security implementation uh, has also increased and this is independent of the fact that there are so many companies uh, getting registered it is rather dependent on the fact that simply because the cybersecurity incident or cybersecurity situation in the world is becoming worse by the day now what happens when you combine these two a large number of organizations uh, and a greater need for information security um a larger number of organizations now need more security to be implemented what do you do when you are a startup you want to constantly keep your costs low because maybe you are not even making any revenue maybe you are making very little revenue maybe you have not yet gone for a, for a funding round yet uh while you do that the, the cyber criminals they are not going to be hackers i mean they are not going to be waiting for you to become something until they attack you they find the opportunity they will end up attacking you right now combine all of the things that i told you what is the solution how do you really overcome this problem you do the very thing that has been done over and over again for various other domains which is what is the other domain like for example legal for the longest time a whole lot of companies what they have done is that they have never had their own legal team because it is too expensive to have them it, they are not going to be fully utilized and uh, there is no real need to have a full time team because the amount of work that needs to be done is something that can be done if someone is partially dedicated to your organization the same thing has been done for finance where finance and compliance services they are outsourced right exactly the same thing is now increasingly happening with security where managed security services can be obtained from organizations who are specialized in the field of security and they can be obtained through maybe a timeshare basis or a people share basis or outcome driven basis but you will end up getting benefited by obtaining these managed security services because you spend lesser amount of total money that you have got to spend clearly it is not going to come at a at a cost which is lesser than uh having the same set of people uh, in, you know in terms of unit price now what i mean by that is that uh, maybe if you had someone full time the per day cost to you uh, would be lesser as, as compared to the per day cost for managed security services but now you are hosting them for the entire duration which means that you will have to bear their entire cost in case of managed security you will probably uh, obtain these services that result into let's say cumulative total of 10 days over a, over a period of 1 month which means that even though the their per day cost is more the total cost to you is lesser now that is one big benefit the other and in my opinion the more significant benefit is this to obtain someone and hire someone uh, in the field of security is quite difficult because of the shortage of real good experts in the field of security now if you go to make up for that shortage by having your own set of people who are knowledgeable and reliable their cost will be astronomically high for a relatively small organization this is a problem that gets solved almost completely if you go for something like managed security services because since the managed security services organizations they 
are sharing their time across multiple organizations they are okay to provide their services to the extent that is necessary for each of the organization the benefit is that managed security services typically are made up of experts who have got extremely high or or rather extremely in depth knowledge of the field of security they are, they are usually more experienced they are usually more knowledgeable they are usually more capable of providing services to multiple organizations and the other kind of related benefit that you derive when you are someone who is obtaining managed security services is this that your service provider they are dealing with multiple organizations in the same space as you are now what this means is that unlike your own in house cyber security team which would live in its own world of your organization and not be exposed to the outside world mss uh, people they have got a very wide exposure and because of which they are well versed with the kind of problem that you are likely to face something that is that probably may not occur in your environment also so there are several benefits to obtaining managed security services um the key benefit i would say as an organization is the fact that you know it is significantly less costly um that is what managed security services is all about what would be the uh, benefits of uh, having mss uh, that is managed security service uh, versus an in-house cyber security team there are quite a bit of differences when it comes to having an in-house cyber security team versus obtaining services from a managed security services provider see there are a lot of things that you need to consider before you decide that okay is an in-house cyber security team um something for me or should i be doing with mss alone one of the foremost is that how mature you are as an organization how big you are can you have that budget that is necessary to have a high quality and deeply knowledgeable team that has got sufficient numbers Num- by numbers i mean the size of the team that can reliably function and take care of all of your security needs right so size of your organization the budget that you have set aside for cyber security not the team cyber security the needs of your this your own cyber security need for that matter what i mean by that is maybe you are an organization that deals with so confidential information that you cannot afford or you cannot or you should not be actually handing over security to an external organization right um maybe you are in a highly regulated domain maybe your clients are very dependent so there are many factors that go into deciding whether you should have any in-house cyber security team or just have mss when it comes to classifying uh, this need and and categorizing that what kind of decision an organization should make between in-house cyber security team and mss i would rather say that it is much more easier and logical to evaluate yourself in terms of the various parameters that result into this yes or no yes for cyber in house cyber security no for mss or yes for mss or and no for in house cyber security on these various parameters so let's say you are a relatively new organization maybe a few years old i would strongly say you should go with mss let's say you have obtained some amount of funding but it is not extremely high you should go with mss let's say you are a big enough organization 
and you can afford to have sizable budget allocated to cybersecurity go for in-house cybersecurity let's say you are in a regulated space where the regulations or your clients expectations do not allow you to have uh, an external team go for in-house cybersecurity so every organization has to define for itself that what works for them having said that overall my opinion and observation has been that given the shortage of cybersecurity people in the world given the fact that how frequently they hop from organization to organization because there is just seemingly no end to what next offer you know any cybersecurity team member is going to get uh, it is a big risk for organizations of even medium sizes to actually have their cybersecurity team the reason being um when people leave they walk out with the knowledge that they have gained the context of your organization and it is said that the cost of replacing uh someone who's in house is almost equivalent to their annual pay uh, given this this is not a risk that exists in in mss at all meaning the your your managed security services partner will will automatically be obligated to take care that in case the person who has got the has got the context of your organization is not available or not serving them anymore then it is their responsibility to ensure that sufficient knowledge has been transferred to someone else who is equally qualified and can take over on a short notice this is something that you just cannot do with your in house cybersecurity team uh, because of this reason uh, my strong recommendation would be that um small to medium organization should focus on having uh, serving their security needs through mss large organizations must always have their own security and the reason for that is because no mss team can do as much as a cyber security team that's one second mss is just that much which is partial time shared right um, when your organization has become big enough you have got a need to have people dedicated full time and you have enough work for them to take care of so so that they are not sitting idle so this is i was talking in terms of of the you know predominantly the difference between mss and in house cyber security while i did that i ended up uh, relating to the various benefits that various different types of organizations can derive from either of this setup it is up to the organization to decide that you know which what works for them because there are different benefits depending on the on different context uh, for the organization that is trying to make a decision between the two okay chalakra thank you so much for uh, sharing your expertise and for uh, taking time to uh, share your thoughts on this podcast sounds good thank you janvi bye have a good day